Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Hello, cold, wet, miserable evening, and welcome to Gatecast episode 156. This is going to be a long one, folks. Hello, it's Jeff. I was on Space Race. I'm back again. Uh, I'm a day laborer. Principals drive by the local Menards, and uh, I jump into a pickup truck and go off and teach for a day. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Stargate Atlantis. As Alan says, this episode is going to be a a long one. It's a feature episode, Rising. Another five years. So that's, yeah, we're going to be doing this podcast for a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've got a tweet from Dan. Hey guys, Rising 1 and 2, cinema quality Stargate, love it. Atlantis is gorgeous, can't wait to listen. I did tweet about technical issues. Okay, we'll get the business out of the way first, so let's kick off with a few notable Stargate-related birthdays coming this week, starting with Tim Guinea. Tim celebrates on the 18th, and is currently in the NBC series Revolution, and played the character of Toman in three episodes of Stargate SG-1. On the 20th, we celebrate Ming-Na Wen's birthday, she played Camille Ray in Stargate Universe and Senator Wynn in Eureka. Also on the 20th, Laura Harris celebrates. She was Nola in SGA's The Game, as well as having recurring roles on 24 and Divine Gravity. We'll also be remembering the talent that was Joe Goldsmith, who passed this year. He would have been 55 on the 19th. I will be double-checking various iTunes sites just to confirm we've not missed any reviews, and we'll be having the draw for the Ronin figure this Tuesday, the 20th. The results will be announced on the following episode, for now, a huge thank you to everyone that's taken the time to put a few words on the iTunes store to help us promote the show. We're always looking for people to join us for a recording of either SG-1 or SGA. I've been very pleased with the results of the three-way discussion of the episodes that have had an extra voice in the mix. We'll try to confirm a recording session a day or two in advance, and if anyone just fancies joining us, then there will be that option. Obviously, this is biased towards those in a similar time zone, but anyone further afield, we can cater for, given enough notice just as we did with Jeff, who joins us for this episode. We would like to get more general feedback via email, but Facebook and Twitter are nice and busy, which is rewarding. So if you do want to get in touch, then our website is gatecast.co.uk and our email is thegatecast at gmail.com. You can do a search for Gatecast on Facebook, Google Plus and iTunes, and our Twitter name is thegatecast, which is one word. Now for this week's feedback. We've got a tweet from Michael Clark. Great episode. I love Tori Higginson and she does well in this story. Great fun with Jack now in charge. I replied, yes, and more Tory to come, alternate weeks, when we cover SGA. Said he's looking forward to that. Loved watching Atlantis and Tory. Certainly have a fan of Tory Higginson there. Doesn't Rachel have any fans? Probably does. On Facebook, we have a few comments on New Order Part 2. Okay, Brad. Was ever discussed slash explained how Sam survived the destroyed replicator ship and safely made it to the Asgard homeworld? I replied, nope, the assumption was a replicated escape pod, and given the whole ship was replicator, then that would not be too difficult to accept, despite the concentration of firepower. And Brad says, yeah, all there was replicator blocks rained down onto the planet. Looking at the evidence, it's quite easy to the replicators were formed into another ship on the planet, and a new character was made from then and there. Sounds been a replicator all this time. Which he also said, sorry, I quote Thor's dialogue. One of the human form replicators must have escaped prior to exiting hyperspace. Carter must have been with them. I replied, there were two gunners on one of the ships that noticed the pod, but as we know, some Asgard sensors don't register reps, so they didn't blow it up. Thank Tilk for lending them Star Wars on VHS. (laughs) 
I sincerely hope everybody gets that reference. Or else, what are you listening to the podcast for? Are you comfortable, Hackers? I'm not. Don't claw me just because I said I wasn't comfortable. Got some news from Stephen Jones, who guest-hosted one of our early episodes. He got engaged the other day to Sue Ann Rigby. Congratulations to the both of them. It says it won't stop him coming back on the show, though. Choose me an ep and I shall be there. So we'll have to sort out the episode for Stephen to join us. On that subject, Daniel, who's also co-hosted a show with us before, he's put his name down for Avalon Parts 1 and 2, which we'll reach in about a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did say I wanted plenty of notice. <laughs> so bless him. Oh! I'll say... Uh, we'll... Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, OK. Kill, Kitty, kill. All right, all right, you want more food, I get it. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to you. We will be probably doing more free host podcasts because it seems to be going well. People seem to like it. Plus, it does make my job easier when there's more people actually putting the dialogue into the room. So if you do want to join us for uh, SG1 Season 8, SGA Season 1, drop us a line with the episode and uh, we'll see what we can do. The greater the notice, the better, although a year is probably pushing it. <laughs> Good news is that Adriana has finally got Season 6 and 7. Thomas downloaded them for her. As he pointed out, uh, you could have downloaded them yourself. Adriana didn't seem to appreciate that. <laughs> Surely fairy tales. <laughs> and, oh, yes, plans are afoot to remake MacGyver as a feature film, not starring Richard Dean Anderson. No, I'd imagine not, since he looked old. I really see that working. The A-team worked, but Dukes of Hazzard didn't. MacGyver is a pretty family-friendly show. How can you make it dark without totally throwing away the whole point? Speaking of Hollywood, finally got to listen to the uh, Avengers commentary. I want to thank Shane for that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Come try ya! Gotta get comfortable. This is a long and bathroom break. Make sure I got soda here. <laughs> Ooh, bathroom break. <laughs> you would have to mention that, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. And you two can vamp while at bathroom break. It's the advantage of a three-handed job. I can say nothing for a minute and a half, and nobody will notice. True. Apart from the occasional, no, Kitty, leave that keyboard alone. <laughs> Can't go into that bedroom. That's where the door is shut. Yeah. Highlight of the episode: China making a, a very intelligent comment about this episode. <laughs> the wraith comes on. Meow. <laughs> That's it, Kitty. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's in pre-pound mode. I can see her on the landing. I don't think she knows where her sister is, or she's wandered off. She's in the substrato boxes somewhere, with the occasional DVD player and... Ah, uh, oh. throughout most of those boxes. It's not called a box room for nothing. I know where I used to live. It didn't pay to actually throw out boxes for bits of technology you bought, because guys would actually check your wheelie bins and decide if your house is worth burglarizing. <laughs> yeah, we have that problem here, too. Especially right after uh, the holidays. Safety messages saying, you know, hey, if you got a family bought yourselves a nice big plasma flat screen TV, wait a week or two before you throw away the box. Cut it up, slip it into some bags or whatever, you know. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-Fi Entertainment News and Commentary. I am Locutus of Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Alan. Hmm? I started reading the Artemis Fowl books. How the hell do you pronounce the author's name? I don't read Artemis Fowl. 
Okay, well, he's an Irish author, so his first name is spelled E-O-I-N. Oh, it's Owen. Owen? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, by the way, Mike, Helen wants to guest again because uh, she likes winding up people that like McKay. Which I think was aimed at me. Who doesn't like McKay, though? Helen, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he's a jerk, but he's a fun jerk. <laughs> he's a cherub. My Skype answer phone is McKay. Yeah, what? Hello. You've reached Michael. This is Dr. Rodney McKay from Stargate Atlantis, and we're kind of busy trying to avert the next intergalactic crisis right now, so leave a message. We'll get back to you. Oh, he's the one who notices and comments regularly on Shepard being the Pegasus Galaxy's Captain Kirk. <laughs> True. I've not one episode where there's a painting done and McKay is all sort of heroic and firing the gun and Shepard is all cowering. Well, to be oh. honest with you, Shepard's sort of getting on with the kid. It'd just be a bit creepy. I think I've only seen that episode once. Vaguely remember that. I'll have to sit down and watch all the... I haven't finished watching all the Atlantis episodes yet. We won't be finished watching Atlantis until about 2017 or so. I started listening to you guys in season five, and before the end of season five, I think it was, I caught up through all the Stargate SG-1 episodes. Did you catch up to all the Gatecast episodes? No. Feel free to download the Wonders for Numbers. Been downloading every one since I started listening. Good boy. Always download them. And I listen to them, unlike you. <laughs> Back noise you hear is Kitty climbing on boxes, because she's normally quite talkative. I just rewatched this episode earlier this week, and it has a much more of a movie feel to it than most of the episodes do. Well, they got to splurge the budget on the season opener. Yeah. The whole opening thing coming in over at the Antarctic base and everything like that. Sci-fi original movie opening. Wasn't that Superstorm one with Michael Shanks sci-fi original movie? The name has been mentally suppressed by me. No, I don't think it was a sci-fi original. It may have premiered on the sci-fi channel in the US. I recorded it off sci-fi here because I thought, ooh, Michael Shanks. Mostly because you actually uh, posted about it appearing and I was like, ooh, cool, must record. Well, you've got to take into account my enjoyment of that sort of movie. Oh, no, I did enjoy it. Sci-fi original movies run the gamut from Dune, I think was possibly their highest quality production ever. Pretty close, yeah. Especially, what was it, Susan Sarandon as Jessica? Well, that was a miniseries, not a film. Well, so yeah, was well, Arctic Storm. Yeah, well, Arctic Storm was a film. Was it? One and a half hour film. Dune was about a three hour miniseries. Their miniseries have been doing really well. They did Dune, they yeah. did uh, Neverland, they did... The Wizard of Oz one? Yeah. yeah. Tin Man? Tin Man, yeah. Yeah, I have that on DVD. Unfortunately, the name Tin Man reminds me of quite possibly the worst, or certainly in the bottom three TNG episodes ever. Just saying a lot, considering about the bottom 18 are from season one. Yeah, that's true. The one where people on the planet speak in metaphors. I liked that one. <laughs> I knew there had to be someone somewhere. John R, a.k.a. Shrek JDR. Woohoo, can't wait to listen. I like that you guys will do one SGA, then an SG1 app. Guess which option on the poll he voted for, assuming he voted. I forgot to vote. <laughs> you know, this was a case where one vote would have made a difference. 17-17. I know, I, I realized that when I saw the total. Oh, I should have voted. I'm in favor of the alternating. We could make a bad Kevin Costa movie out of this. I haven't seen that. If it's a bad Kevin Costner movie I'm thinking of, I'm assuming it's the JFK one. No. What was it called? A swing vote. It was a tie. And his vote literally could swing the election one way or the other. That was Dennis Quaid? I thought it was Costner. He was living in a trailer park with his daughter. I remember the trailers for it. I never saw it. Was that the last election cycle or just a couple of years ago? Yeah, probably about four years ago. Netflix so I can watch it. I'm not reading out your tweet, Jeff. <laughs> Why? Because it's a little too self-referential. You're on the bloody <laughs> podcast. 
Allow the lion to cock his head before pausing. Uh, let me see if I can get that. CG puddle jumper. I have the lion is just about to open his mouth. About one second. Mm, close enough. Lion's mouth is open and... Not a problem. I even watched the commentary. I believe I've seen this exactly one and a half times. I love your commitment to the podcast. <laughs> we did a poll on this. People said not to. What? Not watch the episode? Me, yes. <laughs> Fine, do a poll. See if I should watch the Atlantis episodes. I'm less spontaneous that way, as you found out on the one occasion where we had to record the one episode three bloody times. <laughs> Which point even you started to get a bit heard. Come try ya! Might as well jump in, finger over space bar. Ever three, ever do, ever hen, clicky. <laughs> Fade black, fading on. That's a pretty shot. It is. Yes, it is. First introduction to the Puddle Jumper, as it comes to be called. And what planet are we on? Ah, several million years ago. <laughs> Not thousands, millions. Terra firma. Recognise Ona Grau, who was in the episode Frozen, the uh, ancient they dug up from the Antarctic. And her husband in real life. Yes, Erin. Yeah, little commentary bits that I don't know about. Not <laughs> much of a guest appearance, you know, they didn't even give her any lines. But a nice bit of continuity. That looks pure CG. That doesn't even look faintly like Model War. No. The one thing I'm disappointed with Atlantis in general is they give a really good idea of how massive the city is, but we never really see much of the city. More CG? I'd imagine so. Really expensive episode. Oh, yes. Lots of people we don't know. Yep. This is the same set they built for Lost City, parts one and two, which you'd expect because it's the gate room. Ah. The uh, chair room. There's Beth. And that's actually one of the golden, glowing, orangey things that we saw blowing the crap out of Anubis' ship. Yes, really unimpressive when it's not shiny and animated. Still looks kind of ah. cool. Okay. <laughs> Fresh from his little trip to Russia for the last couple of years. And look like somebody did a wet tail shave on him. Damn, that's a seriously smooth face. <laughs> I'm impressed. Speaking as a recent beardy. So you're not growing your mustache for Movember? Being fully bearded since it was off uh, walk. We have only found a handful of people who are genetically compatible with the ancient technology, and despite your heroic efforts to interface ours with theirs, we need every one of them to sit in this chair, including Dr. Beckett. What am I supposed to do? He's afraid of the thing. This chair controls the most powerful weapons known to humankind. <laughs> I'm afraid of the thing. They're working on the fact that the chair operates from a genetic trait, only present on some humans. Dr. Beckett should be proud he's genetically advanced. It's not more advanced. It's, it is a random characteristic. And yes, it really does bother me. Okay, he doesn't have it. <laughs> oh, clearly I am overcome with envy. Ah, just the people I need to see. A brief dash in from Michael Shanks and then out and then it about something. Too much coffee, Daniel. Yes. Jack Diamond Teal would have just followed. <laughs> Yes. We've gotten closer and closer to finding the location of the lost city, but it turns out we've been looking in the wrong place all along. They know what to do now. Jackson's looking very casual. Well, if you look at the jackets, they're exactly the same brand that they used in Frozen. They're probably the same jackets. I have one of those. Yeah, I think it's actually a pretty popular brand. It's an Arctic jacket. It cost me 140 New Zealand dollars in Wellington because I assumed it would be warm. It was like spring and I didn't bother bringing any coat down to the south end of North Island with me. It wasn't warm. What are you saying, Dr. Jackson? 
It's an ATM address. What we're looking for may be further away than we ever imagined, but it's not out of reach. Atlantis. Atlantis. I think we can go there. The big revelation. The eighth. But they've done this before, when Jack was all uh, brain melty. Credit sequence. It's in the credit sequence, not yet. But to me, there's more of a movie feel to it. Yeah, with our new theme tune. Yeah, this whole sequence was filmed using four separate helicopters. Looks pretty. Yes, the Pemberton Glacier in British Columbia. Bits of Canada that are actually cold and white. What a shock. And Richard Dean Anderson is a guest star. What he's starting to feel like in season eight. <laughs> he's actually in the helicopter while they're filming it. Yeah. John actually isn't, because that's a, a double. For most of this filming, as he said on the commentary, skiing. <laughs> Apache, Blackhawk, Cobra, Osprey. It's a lot of training for the Antarctic. It was the one continent I never set foot on. It's one of my least favorite continents. Ah, Christopher Herndl. kind of like it here. Is he in everything? I think so. Seems like it most of the time, yeah. I recently saw his character in True Blood. I don't watch True Blood at all. Sumner. There is Fort Sumner, isn't there? Fort Sumner is in New Mexico. Military Fort in DeBac County in southeastern New Mexico. Thank you, Jack. There's nothing to be afraid they of. You don't understand. I break things like that. This device has survived for millions of years intact. It will survive you. Now sit down, close your eyes, and concentrate. <sighs> Here we have Carson Beckett, played by Paul McGillian. In science fiction, we've got a Scott actually played by a Scottish person. Doesn't Amy Pond count? Okay. American science fiction. <laughs> concentrate, Beckett. Concentrate. Go to your happy place. I think I feel something. There you go. It could be lunch-related. Shut up and concentrate. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. That's not your happy place. (laughs) Trying to kill McKay is not your happy (laughs) place. Sorry, not happy about that. Get us back down there! You put a hole in our dome. You know who's missing from this episode so far? The jerk with the ponytail. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) However, they did the special effects for this for, you know, what's going on outside the helicopter windows. Really well done for this. It is, isn't it? Yeah. What's the little orange piece of fabric? That's to fool you that the helicopter's moving. The interior shot, when you can see Jack and John together, that was done in the studio six weeks after this occasion shoot. Uh-huh. Exterior of the helicopter, you know, matted in afterwards. And that little fleck of orange fabric, thinking, oh, look, it's moving, the wind's blowing it, when in essence mm-hmm. it's just basically a fan. Was that only added by the production team, or is that actually on helicopters? Because I figured it was something to help the pilot know the wind direction when they're... Well, from what I gathered from the commentary, that's basically to add to the impression of movement. Oh, okay. What about now? Now's good. They went on about that actually was a semi-crash landing. The helicopter hit so hard... They couldn't use the shot because of all the snow it mm-hmm. Sure. What the hell was that? Wait for it. Why don't we get out the helicopter? <laughs> yeah. Get out! 
be a good idea. Whee! <laughs> yes. Looks like Jack's reaching for his gun to undo the... Faster, faster Jack. Ah. Uh... <laughs> yes, Yoda. The force is strong in this one. That was Martin Wood, the director, throwing the drone about ten feet. And it landing perfect. Yes. I'd like to hear the force strong in this one and David Prost's actual accent. Not so much. <laughs> that was different. For me... Not so much. Being there, done that. <laughs> Major Shepard is reporting the drone appears to have been incapacitated. General O'Neill's helicopter is unharmed and on its way again. Appears to be incapacitated. So it didn't go off. <laughs> Thank God. Holy crap. Did they actually explode? Don't know if they ever covered that. Jack! Daniel! Warm welcome. Wasn't me. How'd you manage to uh... keep my ass from getting blown out of the sky? The exceptional flying of Major John Shepard. He likes it here. Exceptional. You like it here? Let's say we cut to the part where you start talking real fast. Ah, where's it again? Hey, don't touch anything. Yes, sir. Why are they all watching, looking at John? Is he... <laughs> <laughs> the boys and the girls are having a look. He's the Misha Collins, then. There's a few people on the, the Gatecast Twitter list who would really appreciate, <laughs> understand the looks. I just figured it was how top secret this all is. They're like, what? A new face? Who's he? Yeah. Maybe they've heard they've got someone coming in who could be useful. All the blinky lights in the background of this is awesome. Well, keep in mind this is the race that built the Stargates. They did everything B. So, why'd they leave? Why'd they leave? Um, who knows? We know the engines on Earth were suffering from a plague. Um, maybe some of them were trying to start over, seeding life in a new galaxy. Maybe that's what ancients do. The point is, we know where they went. Pegasus. Yes, it's, it's the name of a dwarf galaxy in the local group. The computers are running a little hot. Yeah. Hot? You've got to be kidding me. Freezing in here. The quality of set building has definitely gone up. Remember Empire Strikes Back, how much more realistic this looks as far as being a under-Arctic cave versus uh, the Huffines underground. The seriously plastic. Yeah. <laughs> Better plastic than polystyrene. We need the ZPM to power the gate. What? ZPM. He's, uh, he's Canadian. I'm sorry. Oh, zero-point module, General. The, uh... Yes, can we please have the ZPM? The ZPM, yeah. You've got to love it when McKay looks mug. McKay always looks mug. <laughs> when does McKay not look smug? Jack was so nice with that. was a perfectly good explanation you just wasted. <laughs> I really don't need Carter here, do I? I've got this guy. The answer is no. Remember, John. Don't touch anything, John. <laughs> the second I shut my eyes, I could see. I just felt this power I've never had before. I had it dancing all across the sky. It was magical, really, was. I mean. Well, they were lucky. I, I don't know where it came from. I just tried to concentrate, and the drone shut itself down. <laughs> so you were the one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> run, run. You're the one who fired that thing at me. Well, not you personally. I was thinking about the general. Working with technology that's light years beyond us. And we make mistakes. I'm incredibly, incredibly sorry. Yes, oh, by the way, I'm a doctor and a surgeon. I make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, that's something that always bothers me. Why is a doctor surgery called a practice? <laughs> I want them to be practicing. You do have security clearance to be here. Yeah, yeah, General O'Neill just gave it to me. Then you don't even know about the Stargate. A what? By the way, it's secret. Nice one, Harrison. <laughs> Well, you got to assume if he's there, he has to have some kind of security clearance. Otherwise, the pilot would just set down and stay in his helicopter. Yeah, or, you know, they're... Well, one considering of the, there was a large orange glowy thing coming to blow the helicopter up. 
Well, that'd be anything. That could be just a, a high-tech missile. A new bazooka being tried out. And it was hiding as a reason not to stay in the damn helicopter. That would be one of the little offices under that dome. A place for people without full security clearance to cool their heels. With the amount of power you'll need to make this trek, odds are it'll be one way. Yes, we know. But the benefit to humanity is far greater than the risk, General. I think she worked out a lot better as Elizabeth Weir than the other one would have. Randy one. Yes, playing the role a bit softer. A bit more believable, too. I think the gene was used as a sort of genetic key, if you will, so that only their kind could operate certain dangerous or powerful technologies. So some people have the same genes as these ancients. The specific gene is very rare, but on the whole, they look very much like we do. In fact, they were first. We're the second evolution of this form. The ancients having explored this galaxy for millions of years before. Major, please do it. As you can see, or not, I didn't notice at the time that the chair is actually fixed in this scene. On the initial scene, it was broken. Oh, dear. Uh-oh, it turned on. Dr. Weir, don't move. What did the general tell you? Don't touch. Dr. Weir. And his feet are over the edge again, just like Jack's were. The chair looks weird. It's like half wood. I don't understand why they did that with it. I said don't touch anything. I, I just sat down. <laughs> I'm in charge. Who's, who is this? <laughs> I sat down in this really spectacular-looking throne in the middle of this alien structure. Oh, That's boy. pretty. <laughs> he's got super gene. You've got a job. <laughs> you can see he's the Jack analog because he just seems a bit dumb. The scale of that match shot looked a bit iffy, the helicopter and the dome. I took it as the dome is really only covering maybe a couple offices and a dressing room or something like that, that most of the space is just underground. Going to be as big as the hole that the cargo ship actually drilled into the ice. The helicopter looks about right next to the cargo containers. My issue was, what the hell happened to the hole the drone put in the dome? They fixed that straight away. Have to, otherwise everyone's going to freeze to death. <laughs> a bit of polythene, taped down with duct tape. Fantastic. Spray <laughs> a bit of water on it, it ices over. Yeah. Job done. I know about the whole supposed black mark in Afghanistan. He was trying to save the lives of three servicemen. Disobeying a direct order in the process. I have read your own file, General. Please. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I forgot you've got security clearance. Okay. It's your expedition. You want him? You ask him. Uh, that's the thing I have. Really? These lifts couldn't be used while they were shooting because they were just too noisy. There we have the bits of orange fabric again. Yeah. It does a good job of making it look like stuff moving. They're dropping little bits of polystyrene to simulate snow there. Yes, again, this is the shot on the set, not on location. I told Dr. Weir that... Well, I think about it. <laughs> you think about it. I love that. <laughs> Some people sign up, yeah, I'll go straight away, no problem. Well, what? Oh, I'll think about it. All due respect, sir, we were just attacked by an alien missile. And then I found out I have some mutant gene. Then there's this Stargate thing and these expeditions to other galaxies. You know, this isn't about you, Shepard. It's a lot bigger than that. Right now, at this very second, whether I decide to go on this mission or not seems to be about me. <laughs> okay, it's been a busy day. We know, we get it. Mm. Look at you, though. You put your dark glasses on. You look cool. You're up for it. <laughs> you know, I like how Jack stuck in the 80s with his glasses. Why'd you become a pilot? I think people don't want to fly are crazy. And I think people who don't want to go through the Stargate are equally as whacked. If you can't give me a yes by the time we reach McMurdo, I don't even want you. <laughs> you're going or you're fired. You know the secret now. You either go or, well, yeah. accidents can be arranged. <laughs> Especially with you, boy. Yeah. 
Ah, the dear John. Yeah. Simon, if you're watching this, it means the president has been kind enough to grant you security clearance. I'm not going on a diplomatic mission to another country. Why do they have this actor play her her boyfriend, though? It's an unusual bit of casting, isn't it? Yeah. He was such a, a repeat character. Gawain Sanford. Yeah, it, it seems odd that they would reuse him in a completely different role for, for anything with Stargate. Unless they actually planned to bring him back more than they actually did. Mm. So they wanted an actor they could rely on who suited the role. Is that meant to be Meatloaf? I don't know. Because uh, he's cast. <laughs> oh, Where are my cats? I want to show them. <laughs> Tossing a cut. That I like. <laughs> a nice little montage, I guess, to uh, explain some of the uh, information to the viewers. He does better represent the actor playing Pete. And was it the commentary they said they didn't actually plan on doing that? And that was something they had to go back and do. I never turned down an opportunity like this. But I wanted the chance to tell you. Hmm. Wasn't it? Oh, the phone's already been cut off. <laughs> She's out of the service area. Sorry, the coverage area, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Would you like a long-distance plan? <laughs> I'm kidding. This has got to be possible. This is the most extra-packed we've seen these corridors. Yeah. Very full, aren't they? They actually commented on that there were only about five actors on this set knew the layout. <laughs> Everybody else was new. I don't know. Does anyone else here speak whatever language these guys are speaking? Oh, she nearly got her head took off. Yeah. Like all the badges. Yeah. Different nationalities. Oh. You know, <laughs> I'm not sorry what happened to him because, frankly, he comes across a bit of a dick. Yeah. Everything in here has been double-checked and triple-checked and cleared for takeoff. Leave it alone. Look, Colonel, I don't answer to you. You said the same to me, sir. That's what your sidearm's for. Someone's very much a Marine Corps guy. <laughs> Robert Patrick. In the new series Last Resort. Also been in True Blood, The Unit, NCIS and Burn Notice. And, of course, Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. You there yet? Where's my old Dr. McKay? Silent. Dan Shea. Got it. Okay, Sergeant, give it a try. This FPM should light up when it senses a conductive connection to the gate. <laughs> he doesn't blow up. <laughs> no. I mean, I mean uh, McKay hasn't gotten to really spectacular blowing things up yet. True. Yes, he doesn't really know the full potential of it yet. I also like with, Very you know, with comfortable all, looking shepherd. With all the badges, the flags from all the countries everyone's representing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice way so that they could continue Stargate SG-1 under military control, but here we're giving this as a sop to the civilian organization. Yeah, they make a point right from the word go that we're is the number one commander, even though Sumner will be uh, head of the military. Right, and then, but I mean, that also lets them drop that whole plot line on SG-1. They don't have to worry about it anywhere near as much. The last couple seasons with Woolsey was getting kind of constant in the background. We have been unable to predict exactly how much power this is going to take, and we may only get the one chance at this. So if we were able to achieve a stable wormhole, we're not going to risk shutting the gate down. We'll send in the MALP robot probe, check for viability, and go. Everything in one shot. True, so many things, <laughs> As you were saying, Alan, that Shepard looked a bit uncomfortable. That is explained in the commentary. Very unsure of how they were shooting the sequence. It was originally written from his point of view. Him as the lead character, the hero. Martin Wood went for this approach, where it actually showed all the people. Unfortunately, it showed all the main characters and kind of gave everything away. <laughs> Took away the mystery. A whole new realm for humanity to explore. But as all of you know... We may never be able to return home. 
I'd like to offer you all one last chance to withdraw your participation. Would it be good if some of these people actually walked out? <laughs> Just maybe one or two of them. I forgot to record The Simpsons. I'm not going. Begin the dialing sequence. <laughs> Back away from the gate. Let me make myself clear, Major. You are not here by my choice. I'm sure you'll warm up to me once you get to know me, sir. As long as you remember who's giving the orders. That would be Dr. Weir, right? Major Shepard making friends. <laughs> His service record goes before him, unfortunately. Oh, dear. Oh, he's smart ass. Like I said, definitely a Jack character. A different flavor of Jack, though. He's younger for a start. Yeah, still a smartass, but he's a smartass nice. without copying the O'Neill character. Proud Canadian, McKay. Where's Walter? <laughs> we want Walter. It's a disgrace we haven't got Walter. I agree. Walter should have been here. She's excited. Here's the doctor. Calm down. You're embarrassing me. I've never been so excited in my entire life. You look at me, hey, you really do. The Atlantis uniform, are they supposed to denote departments or anything? They didn't mention it on the commentary, but it is covered in... Okay. Yellow is for medical, blue is sciences, red is leadership, and black is military. Kind of what I was thinking they might be. I have to admit, the first time I saw the promo pics of their outfit, I really wasn't taken with them. I thought they looked bad, but they work much better once you see them in action, so to speak. Everybody looks better, though, when they've got military kit on. It's more form-fitting and the actual patches and webbing and such forth. True. I think I just prefer the military look to science fiction. Yeah. Even if it's not out-and-out military personnel. Yeah. That way you don't end up with stupid, like, the double ties in Back to the Future. Like Babylon 5, when they switch to the black uniforms, you think they look cool. Large room. Structurally intact. Environmental sensors say there's oxygen, no measurable toxins. We have viable life support. Looks like we're not getting out of this. Dr. Weir, you have a go. Thank you. Let's go, people! We don't know how much power we've got. Security teams one and two, you're up first. All the personnel will follow on our signal. Once on the other side, keep moving, clear the debarkation area. On my lead! Hold on, Colonel. That's it. Yeah. Put your foot down. He's not happy. <laughs> we go through together. Fair enough. Not a mistake that'd be four of them going through initially? It's supposedly it should have been... Oh, there's a fourth. Four or five is standard squad. I mean, Been through a target before? No, I don't think so. We haven't seen it. You would imagine that taking command of the SGC, she would have been. Well, they were encouraging her to. Yeah, poor Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go, Jack? Can I go, Jack? Got a backpack. Come on, come on. Jack, it's not too late for No. Just grab my no. <laughs> I'm all packed. I'm ready to go. A moment's notice. Expected Jack to call out guards to pull guns on him. Like, no, you're staying here. <laughs> all clear. It looks good. Expedition team. Move out. Lieutenant Aiden Ford. What's it feel like? It's like hell, sir. What happens here? And here we have the intergalactic sequence. Yep, not the Eye of Ra anymore. 
doesn't really go in a straight line, which I suppose technically it wouldn't do. It would be affected by gravitational forces like most things. Yeah. Teams one and two, secure the immediate area. Ooh, the gate. The new gate. I like it. New and improved. Clear the debarkation area, Shepard. Yes. Don't lollygag. Keep walking forwards. There's more people coming through. The lights come on. Starting to power up. The incidental music in the background. Everyone else find an open space and park it until instructed otherwise. I wondered where the Malpa got up in here, it wearing away. No, all I hear is gloop, 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 gloop. <laughs> you know, the power exit sound. Who's doing that? Security teams, any alien contact? Negative, sir. Team 4, negative, Colonel. What did those steps say? Because that's ancient, written there. Yes. Sure, it's been translated somewhere. Mind your step. <laughs> Yeah. Low ceiling ahead. So. Yes. The ancients have been around so far, you know, health and safety must be a great bitch. <laughs> Do not tamper with temporal physics. You have been warned. Books must be returned on time. And do not tamper with nature of causality. <laughs> the commentary, they talked about the new gate and how some people didn't like it or... Did they ever kind of zoned out? To be honest, the commentary was a little boring at points. Did they ever explain how it could have a flat bottom on this one? Never explained that in the entire franchise, have they? Yeah, that's what I thought. The Kawush would be perfectly circular, generated by the gate itself, but it never is. Yeah. You would have thought it would have been mounted in such a way that the actual inner ring would be free of uh, encumbrance. General O'Neill, Atlantis base offers greetings from the Pegasus galaxy. You may cut power to the gate. Uh, champagne. Martin Ward joked, well, he didn't joke, he had to pay $100 to... Uh, one of the young ladies on staff who rolled that bottle right up to the camera. Perfectly. The young lady in question was Ocean. She was a prop girl. Nice magnum of champagne. Ocean. I like the design of the city, the interior stuff. It alien without being ridiculously alien. Yeah. Mm. Yes, he praised Bridget McGuire, the production and set designer, while also pointing out that briefing room would change about a dozen times with the length of the series, including the design of the table. Designed for a. They do, don't they? Doesn't he look really excited? <laughs> I'd him in any subsequent episodes, though. Neither do I. Well, he got really excited and didn't mind his step. Part of his short hour read. And, you know, they found spaceships. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots of spaceships. Either that or really funny washing machines. Yes. Spaceships! I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Weir, you have to see this. I have a lot of things to see. Just be careful. So good of the ancients to leave dust covers. Well, and the little hard drive there under the table, you know. <laughs> oh, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't touch anything. Relax, Major. It's like the entire complex is sensing our presence and coming to life. This has got to be the control room. This is obviously their version of a DHD. Oh, obviously. This area could be uh, power control systems, possibly a computer interface. Hey, or hey, why don't you find out? Right. That's it, McKay. You go for it because <laughs> nobody can contradict you at this point. Yeah. <laughs> right away. 
Yeah. Do you have a standard sort of PC to ancient adapter cable? <laughs> I'm not sure, but some of those consoles look look like very archaic Hammond organs. Yeah. General Hammond organs? <laughs> oh, come on. Tell me you didn't see that. No, I didn't, actually. Oh, that's a nice little effect. That shot through an actual water tank, the same tank they used when they were shooting the SG-1 episode Watergate. I'd say we're under several hundred feet of ocean. If we can't dial out, this could be a problem. Colonel, Dr. Weir. We're underwater. Yes, I was just uh, trying to tell you. Fortunately, some sort of a force field holding back the wa- water. <laughs> yeah, too late, McKay. You lost that. Mm. Oh, that is impressive, isn't it? Yes. Glass that can hold water back. <laughs> uh, Dr. Beckett has uh, found something you should uh, see. Very cool looking. Yes, Carson. I wouldn't... Carson? No, but he said Beckett has found something you can see. Ah, uh, okay. I will, isn't it? <laughs> Almost. Looks like the one they have play uh, Morgana later on. Mm. Yeah, some of the features. Yeah. It's a hologram. The recording loops, this is my second time through. What have we missed? Not much. Exchange knowledge and friendship. In time, a thousand worlds bore the fruit of life in this form. Then one day our people set foot upon a dark world where a terrible enemy slept. That's just pretty. Yeah. <laughs> She's not too bad. No, that's true too. <laughs> when you see the scale of this galaxy, you realize how powerful the ancients were and how far they fell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the way in the water. Malia McClure plays the ancient woman. She never got a line of this dialogue wrong, even though all the other actors fluffed up the lines continuously. And for that, they never had her come back. <laughs> You're too good for this production, love. Good bit of exposition, though. Delivered in a unique manner. Yeah. The Atlantis Stargate was the one and only link back to Earth from this galaxy, and those who remained used it to return to that world that was once home. There, the last survivors of Atlantis lived out the remainder of their lives. This city was left to slumber, in the hope that our kind would one day return. Nope. If your kind are fruit squash, this version is your kind with, you know, diluted in 15 parts water. <laughs> a great city that sank in the ocean. It just didn't happen on Earth. Well, the ancient Greeks must have heard it from one of the surviving ancients. I don't like the fact they got their asses kicked. Oh, dear. Very military uh, viewpoint there from the colonel. Yeah. Stop! Turn it off. Car levels throughout the city are dropping like a stone. What does that mean? That if we don't stop everything we're doing right now, we are dead. Oopsie. No, wait, wait, wait. We just saw a guy with the UK flag on, but Carson's wearing the Scottish flag. Yeah, well... Uh, it's one of the dichotomies of life and yeah. the United Kingdom. A Scottish person that screws up is Scottish. A Scottish person that wins tennis championships is British. A person from south of Ireland but a border county who wins is still British, apparently. <laughs> let's not get into that too much. I would think, you know, if he's going to wear the Scottish flag, then the other guy would wear the English part of the, the Union Jack, not the whole thing. A lot of English people tend to wear the Union Jack over the... You don't see many with the English flag, truthfully. Yeah, even at England football games, you often see the Union flag. Okay. Because <laughs> Atlantis exists for plausible deniability. You need to order your security team to stop searching the city immediately. All security teams fall back to the gate room. It's not going to be good enough. All right, well, how much time do we have? It's hard to say. Hours, maybe days, if we minimize power expenditure. What about our own power generators? We're working on that. But even with our most advanced NACWA power generators, the equations are coming up far short. So we need to find more ZPMs. Now, how do we do that if we can't search the city? If there were more here, we'd be able to detect them. Can we use the Stargate? There's nowhere near enough power to open a wormhole back to Earth. Maybe somewhere in this galaxy. That's relatively easy. 
Fortunately, some ancient technology still uses good old-fashioned push buttons, so we've been able to access the Stargate control system and a library of known gate addresses in the database. That's not all. Look at this. That is Peter Grodin, played by Craig Baroni. Oh, hilarious. Wasting power, wasting power. Using <laughs> <laughs> a lot of power. Yeah, McKenna, I know you're not as anywhere near as annoying in Atlantis as you were in SG-1, but you're starting to get irritating. I think they dialed back his annoyance just the right amount for, for Atlantis. Yeah, they pointed out in the commentary that his time in Russia would have kind of uh, softened him a bit. All right, pick an address, start dialing. I like the DHD here, though. It's pretty. Chevron 1 encoded. Rodney. <laughs> okay, let's not go with that. Somebody's job to say that in the SGC. Of course, this one dials up a little bit quicker. It doesn't spin round or anything. Well, digital, you don't need mechanical like devices, do you? You don't need interlocking cogs and whatnot. Ready, Mount 4 for off world recon. And it wasn't a perfectly circular one. It was circular, it's just smaller. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the series. It was fun the first time around. Yeah, it was. This really shows you how big a set this is. Well, I think episode and episode in season one, this is miles ahead enjoyment level writing quality than actually one. I hate to say it. They've had eight years' experience, haven't they? Seven years' experience before writing this. Pitch black. For now, we're going to use the tried and true system for identification of inbound gate travelers. I'm setting who's going on the away team. <laughs> Sorry, how the hell did he get to? Because frankly, he seems to have an IQ roughly equal. My guess is that when it comes to... Well, he's a Marine, he's not Air Force, is he? Mm. There are really some serious hard asses like that in the higher ranks. To kind of phrase the gun, the ultimate point-and-click interface. It was a very cold and wet and miserable night. In Canada? <laughs> Shocker, isn't it? I admit, it's actually cold and wet and miserable here. I've had the heat on since about quarter to six. Alien, kill him. I admit, I've had the heat on mostly for the kittens. I haven't turned the heat on yet. Trick-or-treat. How appropriate. I like the wraith mask the kids have. Please! They're just playing! Christopher Heidel. Everybody recognises Chris. Everything okay here, Shepard? Yes, sir. Just a couple of kids. I like this because he stands up. It's good, Razors. He's actually taller than <laughs> Jason Momoa, so yeah. Was he in the universe at all? Heidel? No. That's too bad. We went on into Sanctuary, Hell on Wheels, True Blood... I don't know, I think Chris has been in every science fiction show that's been made in the past 20 years, except for the first. Yeah, they could have found, you know, some alien bodysuit put him in or something. It's like, we've run more than 10 episodes. We need to get Chris Hinder as a guest. Yes. The young boy, Gento, played by Reese Thompson, Canadian actor. And in the 4400, True Calling, Smallville, when he was even younger than this. Is he the kid that Tom Welling's character saves in the credit sequence? That, I don't know. No idea. I stopped watching Smallville around season five, I think. It actually started to develop an arc around season five, and by season six, we actually managed to get rid of Christina Crew. Definite reason to keep watching. Justice League came in; it became more interesting. Taylor wished to meet with you. They actually cut some of this discussion out between Colonel and John. He says, "I think they want us to follow them. 
And the colonel replied, good thinking, Shepherd. They basically cut it because it made the colonel look like too much of a sarcastic sod and John a little bit dumb. He's not supposed to be a little bit dumb. He's not supposed to be dumb, though. No. That's the point. John Shepard isn't. He's a genius because he's mentor. He's more casual, a lot lighter in his military discipline, but he comes from a different branch. And pilots are, I guess, not actually knowing a military pilot. I suppose they're a kind of a breed to themselves. The jet fighter pilots are usually pretty arrogant, kind of like surgeons. Kind of got to be, really, when you do that job. <laughs> hope she's seeing the dark. Check it out. Whoa, let me see. Whoa, can I have it? No. What's the mask you got on? This? Wraith. Wraith? What's that? You don't know. What world do you come from? Can we go there? I'm afraid not. I come from galaxy far, far away. Taylor. Yes. Consoling. I bring men from away. Enter. Rachel Luttrell, who's just given birth to her second child. What, here or in real life? In real life, that's why I said Rachel. And her and Shepard have that new show you posted about? They're in a show together again? Sally Richardson from Eureka, playing husband and wife. Oh, okay. I didn't actually click on the link, so I was just kind of looking at the picture and it was a little thumbnail. Yeah. Ah, that's a... It's nice to meet you. I am Taylor Emagan, daughter of Tagan. Colonel Marshall Sumner, Major Shepard, Lieutenant Ford. We have very few specific needs. We do not trade with strangers. Is that a fact? Well, then we'll just, uh, we'll have to get to know each other. Me, um, I like uh, Ferris wheels and uh, college football, anything that goes more than 200 miles per hour. I watched this. It had echoes of Daniel in the Stargate movie, actually. First time he talked with the Abedonians. Compared to Jack O'Neill's very military approach and his more casual. The only thing difference is he didn't whip out a chocolate bar. <laughs> Sorry, when you said whip out, and my mind went somewhere. It was meant to. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> the long, lingering Josh on Taylor, the name of the line she gets, you twig pretty quickly that she's going to be a recurring character. Yeah. We're practically friends with her. Lieutenant Ford, at this time, they didn't know what they were going to call him, his Christian name. <laughs> this is another Walter, then. Well, they figure out his name pretty quick. Yeah. I'd imagine so. Nice mist. Yeah, I think there's been three or four villages on that site. <laughs> Canada, everything's big. That doesn't look very realistic, but... No. Actually, the village behind them, it looks good, but actually it looks like some old Blake 7 sets, too. Oh, a classic sci-fi fan. Oh, yeah. So, who's your favourite character in B7? Even. Of course. The only one who actually <laughs> survive, is in every single episode and they appears to survive right to the end. <laughs> I got such a big laugh out of watching and realising that Avon is now in Little Britain. And Tom Baker does the voiceover. So, you know, yeah. Where do all British science fiction actors go to die? Little Britain. Yeah. Tom Baker thing, vile sense of things is always fun. Sorry, we, we've wandered off top. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, now... If the Wraith have never touched your world, you should go back there. Oh, we'd like to, but we can't. See, here's the thing, ma'am. Uh, we've got ourselves into a bit of a bind, and we may need a safe place to stay for a while. Our people have long believed that the Wraith will come if we venture into the old city. But 
correct. It is a belief we've not tested in some time. The guy with Taylor, is that the same one who keeps on reappearing later on in the episode? Something I was wondering about when I was watching this the other day. I wondered if it was the same actor who played the guy she hooked up with many seasons hence. Right. Mm. He looks similar. He does. That's what. That's why I was wondering if they just kind of tried to cast yeah. someone who was close to the appearance or if it was the same guy. I'd love to know what that dome is on that little island. It looks out of place. And that bubble, that white ball, looks like something from The Prisoner. Yeah. All the more reason for us to have a defensible position should we have to abandon Atlantis. Stay here and find out what you can. Ford, you head back to the gate and report into where. Tell them we'll have answers for in a few hours. Yes, sir. They're playing up the chemistry between these pair. Yeah. You have to have a love interest. Well, I guess it's just you and me. And him. Just us, pair. And him. Genuinely know he was going to say that when he said it, okay? I... <laughs> Come on, John. You can do it. Do I? No. You truly cannot return to your world. No. Then there is something you should see. And this was unscripted. How much further is this place? Not far. Brushed it off. They cut out a whole page of dialogue and seen that they shot just because that looked better. The shield has held back the ocean for centuries. And probably would have kept going for years more. Always bringing the bad news. Yeah. I like the idea that there's that office off the command center for her. Another section of the city on the far side was flooded an hour or so ago. Even occupying this room is draining power. We need to evacuate the moment Colonel Sumner reports back it's safe. You're saying we have to abandon the city? The sooner we leave the longer that shield holds. No, apparently not. City heard you. I assume that isn't glass, because I'm sure glass shouldn't wobble like that. <laughs> not that small a sheet, anyway. Yeah. Apodoni again. Yeah. Taken is. into an ancient sort of a... Uh, since you said it, Mike, I'm cheerfully stealing. <laughs> I like her lighter better than his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine's bigger than yours. You feel that adequate now, John? <laughs> Took about a dozen takes to actually get that torch lit, because it was not light. Now, this set was initially designed to be much, much bigger, full of CGI effects and matte paintings. They decided to spend the money elsewhere. As you see, it was money well spent. Nothing shiny in there. Yeah. A couple more years, that could have been totally buried, and he's never spotted it. Yeah. And once again, Stargate franchise being really good about continuity, that comes back. Yeah. I lost this years ago. How did you... It was just lying right over there. It was reflecting off the light. This is more believable as some place where you go to hide from the Wraith when there's a calling. Although not many of you. No. As she says later, the tribe does move around the planet, so there really wouldn't be large underground structures. Right. No, besides, if it was a large underground structure, the Wraith might find it. Well, that's it. You leave a few people running around like mice so that they can grab them. In the caves are extensive. Many must date back thousands of years or more. Well-preserved cave paintings. Does this represent the destruction of your city? This drawing far predates that. So what? Someone knew what was going to happen? I believe it happens again and again. The wraith allow our kind to grow in numbers. And when that number reaches a certain point, they return. 
to cull their human herd. Sometimes a few hundred years will pass before they awaken again. We've visited many, many worlds. I know of none untouched by the Wraith. The last great holocaust was five generations ago. But still, they return in smaller numbers to remind us of their power. It's a hell of a way to live. <laughs> yes, they have a lottery. <laughs> I read it in a book once. The only problem I have with this set are the pictures on the wall. It's like they put up wet cement sidewalk to decorate the room. You can imagine probably every uh, four or five years bringing the youngsters of the tribe into here and explaining this. You know, because it, it looks like it was built with picture spots to chip in pictures or whatever. It doesn't look natural. It may be. I don't think it's really explained how technologically advanced the Abedonian... Not the Abedonian. <laughs> Athosians. That's it. Were or are after they were first called. Keep us in position. Colonel, we have gate activity here. This gate isn't actually there. It's totally CGI. Yeah, I'm glad you took those glasses off or you'd be seriously blinded. I don't see the gate, sir. <laughs> we'll paint it in later. Screaming ahead. The screaming is a psychological thing. You know, maybe fearful human tastes better. I think you're right. The screaming something to help drive prey in front of you. Yeah. You don't want them hiding. You, you want them to actually be terrified. You'd imagine they could build silent ocean units. She senses a great disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another factor which is uh, explored later in the series. Yep. What is it? The Wraith. It wasn't a spoiler for me. That was purely... You could see that she couldn't hear anything, so clearly she's using some other sense. Just leave it. Now, the whole thing with the Wraith... Yeah, I'm sorry, Colonel, but why are you running around in the open? You're the commander. You should get undercover. And that's the Marine response, because projectile <laughs> weapons work out well. We don't know if the darts have any sort of shielding or anything. Did this ever really come up later on in the series, the whole invisibility thing? And projecting illusions to distract the, the people. Not to any great extent. That's what I was thinking. Ava! Colonel, they're on the ground! They're all around us! We see later Atlantis personnel on the ground during the culling, and they don't actually mention that at all. But I suppose it's all money, the CGI effects. Yeah. Together. They are not really there. Not trust your eyes. The wraith can make you see things that are not there. You must hurry. I always wonder with this, was Taylor able to do it herself the way she just kind of walked out of the mist? Colonel, this is Shepard. What you see on the ground is just an illusion. Concentrate your fire on the ships. Fire the ship! Fire the ship! Oh, okay. So, we've captured enough people, let's blow some up. Yes. And Martin Wood says, you know, this is the sort of scene that the pyrotechnic guys really enjoy. <laughs> Go nuts. Hey, we get to blow shit up. Yep, that's always fun. <laughs> Speak from experience, Jeff, are you a science teacher? No, not generally a science teacher, but I do like blowing stuff up when I can, safely. That shot was actually done on the studio. Oh, bye-bye, Colonel. <laughs> oh, there goes Taylor. Taylor! 
Strategically poor decision and stood out in the open, the prat. <laughs> Gates coming on again. Two enemy ships approaching. Let him go. Your friendly's on board. Look at the dialing device. Burn those symbols into your mind. And instead of a red light, it's a blue light now in the Pegasus Galaxy. Mm. Pegasus are pretty blue and white. Jimmy ain't got a little camera. <laughs> Make me remembering those symbols much easier. Yeah. Yeah. His military is a trained observer. Nice. Right at the edge of the lake. That yeah. looks expensive. They've got lights under the water. Ah, oh, that's oh, a hand. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. I'm going to shoot it for good measure. Boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> I feel sorry for the bloke who actually had to put his hand inside that prosthetic. Can't find my father. I am your father. <laughs> I'm gonna make Star Wars references all episodes. But I've got a new toy for you. Here it comes. What am I looking for? There. Another part of the force field just failed. That looked really good, as far as the shield collapsing there. The bubbles looked a bit big, though. Well, that's a whole, you know, 10, 12 story building or something like that. Well, it looked like one, two or three big bubbles. You'd imagine an eruption. True, yeah. It's one of the problems, like, when they do miniatures on water, they've got to use sand particles for the spray instead of actual droplets. None of my wildest dreams will I hope to find the lost city of the ancients so completely untouched, so pristine, and we have no choice but to walk away from this? In order to save it. To save it for whom? We don't have enough power to send a message. As far as Earth is concerned, we're just going to be missing presumed loss. We'll be back. We'll find a power source somewhere in Pegasus. Kind of demonstrates a lot that happens on Atlantis. Make their own problem. Yeah. It is time to go now. I know right around now is when they start talking about it in the commentary. What did you think about the Wraith versus the Gold? We haven't really seen them yet. That's true. Attention all personnel. This is Weir. Now, this is another big set sequence. They've got image shakers on all the cameras, vibration units on boxes and other structures. You've got an incoming wormhole. I'm reading Lieutenant Ford's identification code. Let him in! The new laser iris is much better looking than the old one. And that was Martin Wood's daughter coming through the gate. Half a dozen of you went through the gate and you brought back about 30. Yeah. Yes, they'll live for another hour. <laughs> argue, 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 argue. Major Shepard, who are all these people? Survivors from the settlement. We were attacked. Some or some of our men were taken. What's going on? We are in no position to help anyone right now. What the hell's going on here? We're about to abandon the city. Going back there is a really bad idea. Major Shepard, the shield is about to fail and the ocean is about to come crashing in on us. Do you have a better place for us to go? Ginger, you have another address we can get to? Yes, many. Good lad. Don't know why you should know him. He's I'm pleased to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an actor who's named after a flavor of Linux. <laughs> the shield is collapsing! And there he goes. And here we have the reason this episode is called what it's called. Yes, and this is where the money got spent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This double feature had a budget of $5 million, so reasonable, but not spectacular. Oh, wait! She's right. Theatrical quality uh, special effect. It is a space battle. Couple this with the music as well. It, yeah. It's just a stunning sequence. Yeah. You know, it's not that, but half the city behind. <laughs> There's a fair chunk of it which they come out. 
compare this to The Abyss. This is so much better, yeah. Even, yeah. even though it's only TV. It's all good. They actually use it in the credits. <laughs> well, that's the only way they could, uh, you know, just be fast. Yes. <laughs> there's been no credit sequence. It costs us a lot to do. Uh, this was done by Rainmaker Studios. How appropriate, given the underwater. <laughs> we see just how massive this city is, but we never really see much beyond a couple towers. There's some sort of solar thing built in. Actually, continuity again. <laughs> I think they said all along that one of the reasons the city was so big, ample opportunity to literally have episodes where all they did was explore the city. But as you say, they didn't do that many episodes where they did that. Yeah. Mm. And of course, one of the issues with Stargate Universe, a lot of people said, is that they didn't use the gate, they stayed in the ship. See, to me that was reasonable with the way the ship was going. They couldn't afford to use the gate most of the time. Yeah. And the besides the ship and the horrible nature of the cast. Yeah. We're on the surface. I was hoping for another day. It looks like we just got a whole lot more than that. Let's not waste it. Nice ripple effect. Someone's going to be on an island a few hundred miles away, get drowned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's the tattoo from Haven. Atlantis <laughs> is going to come kill Duke. <laughs> People, listen up. No one gets to sit down until they clear two pieces of equipment off this deck. Now, let's go. The last zero-point module is depleted. Oh, so much for that. <laughs> Life would be so much simpler if we had a fully charged one. Yeah. Life support systems are working, but the planet's atmosphere is breathable, notwithstanding the inevitable allergens. So now, can our NACWA generator supply enough power to the shield for defensive purposes? Not even close. On the surface without a shield? We're targeted practice. I'm acutely aware of that, Major, but thank you for reinforcing it. Most of the episodes end up being, <laughs> at least, I mean, this becomes the Atlantis version of the conference room in SG-1. Uh, These three discussing whatever is going on. With occasionally Ronan or Taylor thrown in. Yeah, and season two. Right, but I mean, you know, once he's on, it's these three, and then occasionally Ronan, Taylor, or Carson. There's a subsequent episode where they explain how the city got set yeah. to do um, a nice episode. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it is a good episode. I like the look of surprise, like, oh, that was a door. It's a door. The conversation between Shepard and McKay also kind of sets the rules for their relationship as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. McKay realises he, he's got to be slightly intimidated by John, the military man, while Shepard kind of proves he's not an idiot. And the fact that Shepard just answered to McKay how many different combinations there were, that's a later continuity issue as well. All this audio had to be redone. Is that a fan or are they actually outside? Fans, that's why they had to redo the audio. You're not going to let me rescue my people. And why his hair isn't moving. <laughs> well, his hair isn't moving because, frankly, he's using a man that's having super hold moose. Oh, the bear fat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the running joke in the commentary was the amount of bear grease and bear fat he had in his ear. And it will totally undermine your leadership. So as ranking military officer, right, I... just shut up and listen to me for a moment, all right? Come on, what do we know about the Wraith? One of the few things we do know is that they're the enemy that defeated the ancients. When we first began to use the Stargate we found on Earth, we got ourselves into serious trouble. Why? I don't need a history lesson. Because the people in charge didn't consider the ramifications before they reacted. They took our people. How am I supposed to react? And we're defenseless. You said so yourself. How do you know going off on some half-assed rescue mission isn't going to bring them all right back here to our doorstep? Maybe it will. But it's the right thing to do. Why? Because 
It is. She does know how to nag. I'll give her that. She's a woman. That's the argument. It's right because it is right. But with getting rid of Sumner, then the show actually gets off the footing that Weir is in charge. And with only a couple exceptions, Shepard always follows that and keeps that in mind. Well, Robert Patrick is a fantastic actor to come in for a good, solid cameo role. Yeah, too bad they didn't have him on Stargate SG-1 as a team leader for a couple episodes. I think even Jack might be intimidated by him. Oh, they could have gotten Michael Rook coming for this one to get killed. <laughs> no, no, no. Getting killed in the first couple of episodes of a science fiction show, as everyone knows, is Alan Tudyk's job. <laughs> you know, in V, he managed it twice. Yeah. I'm dead. No, I'm not. Crap, yes, I am. I was disappointed that didn't get more episodes. I'm not. Cliff hung horribly. Mike hated the bad CGI. The green screens, yeah. They bothered me too. For a network production, it was woefully underfunded. It would have been perfect for Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, I think it probably would have fit in. Might have even gotten a couple extra seasons. I will not authorize a rescue mission unless I am sure there is at least a remote chance of success. I'm not sending more good people, including you, to their deaths. Okay. Here we go. The Wraith. The Wraith. Are you all right? Where are we? Any idea what to expect? No. Your friend was the one who said the Wraith would come if we went down into the ruins. Perhaps you should have heeded his warning. How do I know he's not the one who told me? Chris in sort of deep gravelly voice mode is proper, Chris. Yes. (laughs) Get the impression he was originally a Shakespearean stage actor. They actually shot the Wraith movement a little bit slower to give him a very fluid look. Yeah, they, they shot him at a higher frame rate so they could slow the frame rate down. That looked very organic in the opening. CGI. I'm Colonel Marshall Sumner. Oh. Whoa, no messing. That was speeded up. <laughs> There's never really much of an explanation as to what these things are, is there? Worker drones is what I always look at. Yeah, they were churned out by the thousands, even millions, to be cannon fodder. But in practical terms, they didn't get face prosthetics because it cost too much money. Well, they got face prosthetics, but the advantage is you could have the same actor play infinite number of... Well, those masks knocked out by the hundreds, you know, there's no real personalisation. A wraith would probably take five or six hours to do the makeup on. The drones, you just got to find someone from the local gym with big enough biceps to slap into it. They have no need to explain themselves. Yeah, I got that. We're receiving visual telemetry. I can't see anything. No atmospheric readings at all. Hey, what was that? Rotate the camera? (laughs) Bye-bye, Mel. Oh! (laughs) How much for that? How much did these cost? Damn. (laughs) Well, there goes that, Mel. It's in space. It's in high orbit around a planet on the far side of the galaxy. You're sure this is the right address? It's the only one we could get a lock on. Very well. Shut it down. Sorry. This was something that I thought was really cool that they didn't really do until, well, until the seventh season or so of SG-1 showing Stargates in outer space orbiting planets. Or was that come after this on SG-1? Well, the problem with SG-1, they didn't have the ship to actually make use of space gates. Yeah. Puddle jumpers are cool little ships. They look slightly rusted, doesn't it? A little bit. I've got this to show you. This is cool. Check this out. They look better with the uh, engines deployed and the weapons yeah, deployed. Yeah, don't fit through the gate like that. They look better. Actually, I kind of 
I was disappointed they put out the little engines, the little warp nacelles. To me, that was something you do just so that the viewer goes, oh, it's a spaceship. Yeah, that's probably my reaction from it. Oh, that looks right now. <laughs> to me, it's cooler. It's just a tube that you know designed to zip right through the Stargate. Tube chain. <laughs> it does look like a big piece of meat, doesn't it, the way it's hanging? Yeah. Carson is very excited about this. Dr. Beckett, what was it you wanted me to see? Actually, with the way they did the makeup on the people who play the Wraith, the fact that that looks kind of rubbery doesn't make it look like cheap prop. The skin on the creatures themselves look rubbery even when they're moving around. Not a cheap prop. <laughs> Probably not, no. It doesn't look like it's a prop. It actually looks like they just cut off one of the arms of one of the Wraiths. Yeah. As you were saying, Jeff, the Wraith and the Gold, the Wraith do look like the scary monster type. Some of the Gold, you think, look beautiful. Male and female, you know, there's nothing scary about them as you look at them. What they do is terrifying, whereas the uh, Wraith, one of them walks up to you, you are thinking, eh, well. If I was a betting man, I'd say it was old. Very, very old. How old? As long as the cells are properly nourished... I don't see a life form like this ever dying of natural aging the way we do. And they'd be bloody hard to kill. I don't like the sound of that. I don't blame you. Joe and Martin, they weren't very happy. Was he on a intercom? Was he on a phone? Yeah. To get the voice carrying right, because they didn't know how far away from each other they were going to be or anything. Major! Ooh, bro, now that looked expensive. You said you wanted tactical advantage? All right, so you can fly that thing. It doesn't mean you can pull off a rescue. Doctor, this is why you brought me here. Something in his ear. Ready? I have no idea. This technology is so far beyond us. I mean, we have no clue what we're dealing with. I mean, for all I know, we could... Yeah. I mean, liquid nature of the controls. It's also the jelly. No, they're glass, I thought. Yeah. Mm. Only the chair gets jelly. They look like an extension of the crystals or maybe the forerunner of the Asgard stones, but yeah. they look a bit cheap. Gate ship one, ready to go. Gate ship one? A little puddle jumper like this? It's a ship. It goes through the gate. Gate ship one. Oh, no, no, no. That's all wrong. Dr. McKay thought it was cool. Oh, okay. Well, it's official. You don't get to name anything. Ever. Flight, this is puddle jumper. We're going to launch. Uh, this is flight. I thought we were going with gate ship. Negative flight. Stand by. It's a ship that goes through the gate. Fine. Puddle jumper, you are clear for launch. Dial it up, Lieutenant. <laughs> you don't get that name. <laughs> you think they look cheap. That's something I thought about when I was watching it this week was uh, they never showed them with spare keys to replace all the ones. Because, you know, as you're, you're dialing the gate, you're going to wear off the writing. So you need spare ones. think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So John's confident he can actually fly this out. <laughs> That's not a bit we noticed before. This is a bit of a, a reveal, and you assume that John knew that was going to happen. Or did he assume just power up, you know, an exit will appear? Yeah. It, cool effect, though. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if he scraped the side like <laughs> they did in Galaxy Quest? <laughs> the question for me is, how well does it fly with cells not deployed? I mean, do you get power reduction? In space, make a bit of difference. Yeah. The power cells might be more just for manoeuvring, especially in atmosphere. Reaction thrust rather than, I don't know really, what powers it in space. Yeah, they never really go into what powers the puddle jumpers, I don't think, ever. Gravitational engines. It's like it reads your mind. Did you do that? I was just wondering where we go from here. I'll take that as a yes. So how do we find them once we land? Well, I've been thinking about that, too. 
Life science teller. Yeah, useful. I want a million dollars. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about a nice turkey sandwich. Turkey sandwich. <laughs> Perhaps they should have had some yellow cubes come out and thawed us. <laughs> Worth a try. <laughs> All dark blue evil sort of lighting. Yep. And that lighting effect, they sounded like they really had to play around a lot and get it to where they liked it. They said it was originally more yellowy, didn't they? Orangey. Yeah. The metallic blue looked much more... Uh... It's cold and intimidating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. When we were first talking about Atlantis, you know, before they showed it on TV, I was really worried that the Wraiths were going to be total ghoul knockoffs. Yeah. They weren't. They are a very different evil enemy to go up against, or antagonist. Of course, the fact that we have nicely atmospherically darkened Tommy on it doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, it doesn't hurt at all. You've got to be impressed when there are trees growing on the spaceship. I think it gets across that he's also a really young lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. He's been through the gate, so he's been on an SG team, but probably not that experienced. Maybe come straight from the academy, straight into the SGC. Yeah, well, actually, with the army and stuff, as long as you graduate from college, they need you. They, you can go straight to officer school, as long as you have a college yeah. degree. Why is he trying to glow? The little thing that he can turn and click, beep, beep. Like that episode of Doctor Who, where he's got the remote control and the blue light flashes. Keep the TARDIS <laughs> keep up. Yes. All right, teams of two. Learn what you can, lay down the defenses as you see fit. I want to be able to light this place up if we have to. Two clicks, you're clear to talk. Yes, sir. Do not engage the enemy. You're with me. The monster on the table. Yes. Oh, dear. First scene in Stargate the movie, and then in The Children of the Gods, SG-1 pilot. And he said it was in Universe, too, at some point. Well, I think they said it should be in Universe. Oh, okay. The commentary couldn't have been done before Universe was made. Surely not. That's a good point, yeah. It's on the DVD, which came out long before Universe. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a big vaulted ceiling. It looks like some floor grating, doesn't it? Just cut up. It's not all vampiric, is it? No. It looks like the rubber stuff you have in front of the sinks in a restaurant so you don't slip. <laughs> oh, I don't mind admitting... She's fascinating. Yeah. You must feel hunger by now. I won't say she's beautiful, but she's interesting. Most of the Wraith Queens looked very good. Most of them were played by Andy Frizzell. Yeah, most of them were played by her. I thought getting in was going to be the hard part. That's the first one we've seen. Wherever an SG team goes, they automatically attack explosives to sing. Well, you take the long go that C4. It's a Game Boy. No, it's Palm Pilot. Yeah, it's Game Boy. Can you get Tetris on that thing? <laughs> yeah, that's you. So, we got ourselves a life sense detector. We can name it later. <laughs> Should you really be that cheerful in the alien... Yeah. Version time. Yep. My son alive. He's well and waiting for you. Where's Colonel Sumner? He was taken by the Wraith. We don't know where. Well, how about when? Not long. I knew something had to go wrong. This is Stackhouse. Go ahead, sir. How about a diversion in a little bit? 
Really need to make some noise out there. Yes, sir. C4, blow a hole and get these people out here on my signal, all right? Yeah, blow a hole in the door with all holes in it. <laughs> You've got to be careful how they're trying to concentrate the blast, really, because... Now, yeah, they don't want to take out all the prisoners. You're the only one who can fly these people out of here. Yeah, I'm going to fly us all out of here, including the colonel. I'm saying I should be the one to go, sir. 20 minutes, I'll find him. Yeah, that's a good point. If he's the only pilot they've got, perhaps he shouldn't leave him in the mission. Very Captain Kirk, isn't it? That's who he is. <laughs> Colonel Marshall Sumner, United States Marine Corps. So little fear. Is it valor or ignorance? We travel through the Stargate as peaceful explorers. You must eat. Yet you resist your hunger. Why? Why have you taken my people prisoner? You trespassed upon our feeding ground. This does have a very the, dinner with the Count. Very seductively vampiric and kind of weirdly blue. Like. Yeah. She's actually a really tall woman, too. Yeah. Why is he giving her information? I don't think he is yet. I can sense it. Yet you resist. Why? Why do you care? Hunger is distasteful. Why is your name ranked in serial number? Because he knows it won't work with her. Why bother? Yeah. Didn't agree with him. There we are quite dissimilar, Colonel Sumner. We don't require our food to agree with us. She's not going to obey the rules of war. Might as well try to have a conversation with non-critical information while admiring a dress and wondering how the hell does that stay up? Yeah, really have any breasts. She does. Why does she have catfish things on the side of her cheek? <laughs> what sharp teeth you have. Yeah. All the better. Well, you know how it goes. Your world. What do you call your world? What do you call It is not among our stars. No. Tell me of Earth. How many more are there of your kind? Thousands? Millions? More. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Yeah, he did a really good job showing the, the fear building in him as he realizes, oh crap, we are so screwed. Yeah, I mean, the girl just wants to take us over. These people want to eat us. Yeah. Yeah, Martin pointed out that his facial expressions sell this whole scene. Yeah, they do. He's starting to think he wishes he had clip on top of the gun pad. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps the ancient weapon would be uh, more useful in the future. Your will is strong. This one begged for its life. Is that the kind of treatment I can expect from myself and my people? As I've said, all living things must eat. Then we're done talking. I think not. Neil. She's forcing him to actually give him vision. Yes, emote. Emote. I have not tasted such strength in so long. 
Oh, Captain Cook again. Go to hell. Earth first. That sounded like he was just relieving constipation. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I had a taco earlier. <laughs> now, with what we know about the, the Wraith and how they come about, would the name Earth actually mean anything to them? Probably caught the connection of a homeworld Earth. We have plinky plonky music. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can't remember. Are those supposed to be sleeping pods there or just weird hallway walls? Just weird hallway walls, I believe. Yeah. Is this ground? I won't. Yeah, that's right, because they show the sleeping pods in a little bit. It's yeah. really cool. Toying with the food. Like a cat. You want to admit she has a point. Everything living feeds. Yeah. When you're not top of the food chain. Yeah. That's not at all creepy. Really good hand prosthetic there. What is she squeezing, you wonder? Wouldn't dog tags get in her way? Perhaps the little suckers have pushed it to one side. You're missing the action. Hey, assassin's spot from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oof, straight through. <laughs> Doesn't phase her one bit. Oh, he really doesn't look good, does he? <laughs> yep, drawing extra energy from him to heal the bullet wounds. Didn't even look like there was blood or anything in those bullet wounds either. Oh, he doesn't no. look good. <laughs> they were disappointed they didn't get enough facial communication between these pair, just to make it clear that Sumner wanted him to shoot him. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was clear enough, but... I can see where they're... Yeah, always look beyond you. Doesn't the guard do a right job? Bring him. <laughs> Bring him. I want dessert. He's dessert, I guess. Yep. Any wraith other than the queens with non-white hair? I don't believe so. Jim didn't pop forward in the head. That's a hand feeling. Because <laughs> the drones and the, the men all have white hair. Much better. I'm sorry to hear that. Didn't Martin say in the commentary that she was meant to have white hair? Then they changed it to red. Yeah. How did this come to you? I don't remember. <clears throat> Good shot, yeah. Lieutenant. Straight in the forehead. Blow it up! Target <laughs> <laughs> teams always carry the good C4 that just blows stuff yeah. up. <laughs> Okay, I'm not sure how much C4... It almost sounds as if her voice is a siren. Yeah. That's kind of hurt. <laughs> Recover from that. That has to kill you. It's a bloody good episode. It is. You've got to really enjoy that alien weapons have got a bayonet on. Yeah. <laughs> With them having a budget, this was a really good pilot episode for the, the whole series. Die, damn you, die. You don't know what you have done. Ooh. We are merely the caretakers for those that sleep. When I die, the others will awaken. Uh, how many? <laughs> All of them. In hindsight, does she mean everybody on her ship, or all of them? All right. Yeah, does it kind of trigger a, the fact that a queen's died, the race as a whole are under attack? I always took it as, as soon as one hive ship wakens, sends out the signal to waken the rest of them as well. Yeah. The term hive ship, they look like B-cells. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose also if it's kind of an automatic signal, it prevents one hive from getting a jump on anybody else. Right. Because they don't really trust each other as we come to learn. <laughs> Bates, we're on the go. So are we, Colonel Sumner? Negative! They don't play well together. No. 
Dr. Weir! We're getting reports in from all over the city. I like it. McKay can always sound cheerful. Well, as long as he's getting to solve problems and look smart, he's happy. Totally oblivious to the <laughs> fact that Weir is uh, rather upset and worried. Yeah. I should never have let them go. For what it's worth, you made the right decision. Give them time. That's a good point. You could have really sent people to the death. And she's not a military commander. This is reasonably new to her. SG-1 kind of bullied their way into the Stargate. Yeah, Sam kind of just blackmailed it. Take our six! I'm going to take them back to the chopper! Be right behind you. Yep, they're coming. We all know they are. We can hear them. How can he? The darts with the bleak, pointy, viper-shaped, just really good-looking ships. There's nothing there. I'm sure I saw something. Only what the Wraith wish you to see. Barring your weapon will reveal our position. Come on. <laughs> You've been just told off by a little girl. <laughs> I saw something I know he did. <laughs> Give it in! Yeah, you're going to shoot him with a 9mm, right? <laughs> That's better. That's O'Neill all the way. Let somebody else <laughs> carry the gun to the battle and then use it. Oh, she's learned to trick now, hasn't yeah. she? At the last second, jump to the left or right, because the darts aren't that manoeuvrable. Well, it's just a jump to the left. <laughs> that was close. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Let's try not to make a habit of this. Oh, don't worry, it will become a habit. Forget the heart. It's the Indiana Jones wound. Yeah, well, what are you looking up at a deep running? <laughs> Get in. We have it coming! Yeah, thank Kind of a sitting duck, the dart hits the jumper. Okay. Now, what am I thinking? You're thinking weapon. That's a problem. If they'd have left it cloaked, somebody on board who could actually operate it. They figure out the remote control cloaking until an episode or two into the show. Everybody okay back there? We are well enough. Yes. Stop talking. Go. Didn't I have a commanding officer on, on this mission? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was the hard one. Oh, dear. Oh, crap. I don't think we've gotten to the hard part yet. Okay, guys, tactical tip. Keep moving. Yeah. Don't just stand there in front of a target. Well, they're cloaked. No, I mean them, the Wraith. Oh, yeah. Sitting duck, if you're not moving, at least give them something to shoot at, because you know they're coming. We're safe as long as they can't see us. They don't have to. There's only one way for us to go. The minute we activate the Stargate, they can start shooting blind and blow us away on our approach. Then how can we get through? To draw them away from the gate and double back. Kind of hard to say something here, because I just want to watch the space battle. (laughs) (laughs) And watch how many times the Atlantis thing appears behind Shepard's head. Well, that's it. Draw them all. Yeah. Wine so loud it can be heard in the vacuum space. <laughs> Shush. We have a guess. My purpose in this episode is directly to make smart ass comment. <laughs> Atlantis means reshoot. See anything like a weapons console over there? It's good to see that the Wraith don't have any automated targeting systems. It's good to see that we do. Yes. <laughs> Problem is those, do they have reload? Yeah, the ancients have limited armament. Yeah. Wraith have uh, pretty much unlimited energy-based systems, but no targeting. Tried, it must be damaged. Dial the gate! 
It is better that we've got a nice fast gate. It is, yeah. Raise the shield! Shame none the wraith were actually standing in front. Yeah, a particularly stupid wraith. <laughs> Punching your code on the next pass. Three drones wasted on one little dart. I think they would have gone and hit both ships sitting in front of the gate. Well, in an episode of Battlestar, one ship took out about 30 vipers in one salvo. Nothing yet. Enter your code. Hang on. Three more for that one. So he's now throwing him away, isn't he? He's fired seven of his eight loads that I saw. Let him in. <laughs> Excellent breaks the ship's got. Yeah. <laughs> so we have one more left. We're coming in a little hot. <laughs> oh, nice. What an idiot. <laughs> Give them a few more seconds. They admitted in the commentary that they didn't play with this concept often enough in SG1. People could through the gate as you're coming in. They walk through the gate and then stop on the ramp, and you think, hang on a minute, people are still shooting at you. Why didn't they fire blind through the gate? Yeah. Oh, there's poor Rachel. Shields! Reactivate the shield! Bang, bang, bang. Why did the puddle jumper react as if it's got some inertia? Because if it has, then they should have been thrown forward as well. Inertial dampers. Yeah. It had inertia because it rocked forward. Yeah, it's one of those things <laughs> that's never going to get right in a sci-fi show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Atlantis. Please remain seated till the puddle jumpers come to a full and complete stop. There was a question asked on the Star Trek forum about why if they have inertial dampers do they throw themselves about from side to side? Apparently it was answered in a tech book. The inertial dampers only work because the computer can predict movements like maneuvers, whereas being hit by weapons fire, there's a slight time lag on them and they can't catch up. Fair enough. That's pretty good techno BS. <laughs> I guess this is home now. I guess so. It's a lot of extras. Yeah. And where was the set again? They said in the commentary. Blade Trinity. That's it, yeah, Blade Trinity. They bought the whole set, all four stories of it. <laughs> I've only seen about Trinity once because it follows my science fiction rule of three. Which is? The third part of any ongoing series is usually... I actually like Blade Trinity. It wasn't a great one, but... Yeah, it had Ryan Reynolds in it and... Uh, Parker Posey, yeah. And the other one, Jessica Biel. Yeah. Pretty decent cast. Dominic Purcell as Dracula. And Parker was a fun vampire. Yes. <laughs> Beat the crap out of Ryan, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> These people have a lot of young ladies, don't they? Yes, they do. Yes, indeed. And they have a lot of young men. It should work out just fine. There is no way you could have saved Colonel Sumner. I have to live with it. I'm beginning to think you're right. I have made things much worse. I haven't made as many more friends out there. No? Look around you. <laughs> Would you like to make more friends in a more interesting fashion? <laughs> I agree, Major Shepard. Spectacular-looking woman she is. How would you like to rest that friendship, Taylor? <laughs> yes. Would you like to touch my forehead? <laughs> Go on, then. <laughs> You have earned both my friendship and that of my people. With our help, you will make many more friends. <laughs> oh, look at these. At least they're not in the kitchen. How come I never make friends like that? We need to get out more. We're in another galaxy. How much more out can you get? 
McKay filling the Donald's Quinn role. And is this got lemon in it? Citrus <laughs> 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 allergy <Yes>. again. <laughs> is David here actually allergic to citrus? No. Uh, have you guys caught any of his YouTube videos? Yeah, we have. Yeah. The Daging thing. Those are hilarious. The ones I've the ones I've watched. He's a funny guy. Well, you are the ranking military officer now. Or do you need to be reminded of that? We need to get back out there. Do what we came to do. <laughs> you realize that can get us into all sorts of trouble. Right? Oh, don't worry about that. You've kind of set the precedent. Yeah. Yeah. Promotion through nine mil. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go somewhere. We'll cause trouble. It'll all probably blow up on our faces, but we'll solve it by the end of the episode. But with an overall arc. Nine. Yeah. I do wish we could see stars like that. You only have to I go a few miles out of, the, out of the city here to get stars like that. I just got a look outside. And fade to crazy sequence. And that was Stargate Atlantis Rising, the series premiere. You didn't get to do the show in blah a bit because we didn't have a credit sequence. No, that's true, we didn't, did we? No, we didn't. We had the episode title. Yeah. There was no actual credit sequence. Well, I didn't really have much to say anyway. Written by Robert C. Cooper and Brad Wright, directed by Martin Wood, got its US premiere July the 16th, 2004. The UK got it October the 12th and October the 19th, though Sky must have split it into two episodes. I couldn't find a date for Australia or Canada, but I do believe the Canadians got it before the UK. I was going to say, I think we got it in one big episode in the US when it first came out. Yeah, I think the Canadian pay broadcaster, either Showcase or the movie channel, actually showed Atlantis. That's why they got it much closer to the USA date. It's weird hearing, with Canada being a friendly neighbor to the north, it's always odd how much the TV signals are restricted between our two countries. Can't see what we're seeing on Sci-Fi Channel. There's Sci-Fi Channel showing different stuff at different times. And even uh, the websites, we can't watch each other's stuff. You know, I can't watch BBC websites sometimes. Yeah, still plenty of stuff due to rights issues. That I go to an American site, it pops up, oh, you can't watch this video, you're in the wrong region. Like, And you think, well, fair enough, but the show is being shown over here anyway. And... Yeah, <laughs> and we're not having to wait 10 years to get Doctor Who episodes anymore. So come on, just show it to me now. For a long time, the only way to watch English shows here was to catch them on PBS, our public broadcasting. And it was you know up to 10 years delay before something would get played over here. That cat knows we're done. She just came into the room. <laughs> I know it's the opener and it's supposed to be strong, but I enjoyed that immensely. Yeah. I mean, that hour and a half just flew by. It's a really good, strong opener. I mean, I agree with you saying that first season of Atlantis was better than the first season of, of SG-1, but I still think they're some finding their feet in the first season of Atlantis. Okay, folks, that was Rising, the season premiere of Stargate Atlantis. Join us next week when we'll be discussing the Stargate SG-1 episode, Lockdown. I've been Mike. I've been Alan. I'm Jeff. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.